you know, going through the experience of having cervical cancer at such a young age, it really shifted that curiosity into like a need. I needed to know and it it forced me to become more aware of my body overall, but especially my feminine health. We as women need to create the change. Like we need to change the narrative in our own mind because we almost, sometimes we're so embarrassed to share it with our male counterparts. And unfortunately we, we sometimes create that feeling of discomfort because we don't feel comfortable with it ourselves. With all of our products, we try to use each of them as a vessel or an opportunity to educate or to demystify or destigmatize a part of the feminine health and feminine wellness conversation. For us, we wanted to ensure that every product that we created took into consideration her overall well-being with regards to toxins and we call them endocrine disruptors. I wish someone educated me on the effects of birth control on PCOS and how it just masks and hides it um, because I think it just made it made my situation far worse. I just remember feeling so embarrassed and so sad and feeling like, wow, people probably think that I just let myself go and that I eat junk all the time and I can't fit in my clothes anymore. And it was so hard because here I was in the gym, you know, four to five times a, or four to five times a week, eating salads, eating great, but I wasn't seeing the effects on my body. Hi, I'm Laure Sejan, a former HR director turned into a pro makeup artist and a beauty editor. In this podcast, I want to share another way of looking at beauty from the outside and from the inside from people who create beauty trends to people who help us feel better within our body, from sharing my experience with some beauty products to digging into new ingredients. Welcome to Beauty S'il vous plaît. Today, I'm having Eman Abbas, the founder of Ketish a feminine and sexual wellness brand here to level up your self-love game. Kitties was launched in August 2021, so just over a year ago, and you can already find it in Sephora Middle East. Um, I love the fact that Kitties is derived from Ketesh, uh, an ancient Egyptian goddess of sexuality and pleasure, a woman unapologetically free of shame, free of guilt, and free of to love herself. Ketij is here to help women to go back to their goddess state that we have, be proud of our femininity, and feel confident about our sexual desires. Um, in many reasons, you know, I love the concept that for you, it's to go back to our goddess state, because uh, we discovered like two years ago that indeed we are goddess. And it can be weird a bit sometimes to think about that way that we are goddess. But at the end of the day, you know, we are carrying, I would say, humanity within us when we're able to get pregnant. Um, and I think sometimes 
women tend to forget this. We forget, we tend to forget the power that we have within ourselves. And it's not only the fact that, you know, we are able to give life, but it's also that I believe that we have superpowers. And indeed, we need to be more aware uh, about that. Um, just to go back to uh, you, Eman. So at 21, you, um, that was the first time for you to go to the gynecologist and to have an exam. And this is where you discovered uh, that you had cervical cancer caused by an infection from a certain types of human papillomavirus, uh, in other words, HPV. Um, and having a family coming from Egypt who moved to US, uh, talking about feminine wellness, sexuality at home was taboo. Um, and Eman kept her cancer for herself and dealt about the situation alone. Um, because of her own life experience, this is why Eman created Ketish as a brand, but also as a movement around it for women to be proud of their femininity, um, feminine wellness and sexuality. And Eman, I am so happy to have you on my podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Hello, Eman. Welcome to Beauty <laughs> uh, Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. When I was listening to you, I was like, oh my gosh, she's talking about me? <laughs> it's like these intros are always so, I was like, oh wow, I, I did do that, didn't I? <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to be chatting with you and talking about Kedish and all the feminine wellness things. Yeah. I mean, Iman, you've been working on the brand for three years or maybe more, like, you know, because there's always a time where we have the brand in our mind, we think about it, we don't know exactly know how it's going to be or how you we're going to develop the brand or what we want to do, our project. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure that, you know, I mean, we, we talk about the brand, but before that, I... I want to talk more a bit about you and and from your perspective, how would you describe yourself? Oh gosh, I feel like this is always such a hard question for me to answer. Like talking about myself, it's really hard. I also feel like, man, I, I've evolved so much. Um, I keep relearning who I am, especially in this process of creating your own brand or your own business. It's like you really discover the person that you are. I would say for me, like there's definitely been some consistencies throughout my whole life that I would describe myself as a pretty passionate person. Um, you know, whatever I put my mind to, I, I usually get or achieve. And a lot of that is through like persistence or really hard work. I, I never really give up sometimes to a fault where I should probably let go, but I don't. Um, and that's definitely been a constant in my life, either when I was an athlete or, you know, a young professional. Um, I would also say that I'm pretty, I'm pretty I, like my personality is quite fiery. I've always been really rebellious. Um, and my mom would always tell me like, why do you, do you always have to like touch the fire to feel it burn? It's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know, when she tells you no, and you're like, okay, I'm just gonna see what it's like. And I've always really been the type of person to question the status quo to try to understand you know what do i want what do i need even if that goes against the grain of what 
everyone else might be doing, saying, or thinking. Um, but I think at the core, my parents have always taught my sister and I to be good people, kind people, to lead people. If they have an interaction with you, to leave them feeling good about themselves and positive. And so I try to, I try to uphold that with whatever I do. Um, yeah, I would definitely say at the end of all of that, that I'm definitely still a work in progress. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> I, think, I think we're all, you know, work in progress. When you think, you know, when I was in my 20s, I thought, oh, yeah, when I will be in my 40s, you no, know, I will be good, I will be stable. But actually, you no. Know, <laughs> I mean, I'm a stable person, no, but the thing is, you're constantly learning, you're learning from others, you're learning about yourself, I'm learning from my kids, I'm learning from my husband, I'm learning from anyone, you know, um, that I that I meet, and uh, and life is changing as well, so, yeah, I believe that, indeed, you know, being working progress, you know, is good, because it means that you are evolving, and you're really working towards um, I don't know, maybe your higher self. Huh? Definitely. Yeah, what... definitely. And I'm not afraid to, to admit that, you know, I'm learning. I'm not perfect. I still have a lot to go and grow. So I go to therapy. I really try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we, we all need to, uh, to, to go and see our therapist, you know, from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not the thing, so. Um, <laughs> You know, I was I was reading about you. Um, I watched you know, a few of the YouTube videos uh, where you're in, where you're talking about yourself, where you're talking about uh, Ketish. Um, but what was the reason why you decided to create uh, Ketish? I understand that you know you had a cervical you know, cancer, which is, and you discovered like a bit out of nowhere by coincidence. Uh, probably. Um, but yeah, what was the reason, you know, no, and again, you know, with your family background and, and the culture as well, um, we're talking about, you know, your femininity was not really like, we're not talking about femini femininity, but like the wellness and sexuality as well was taboo, which I can also, you know, understand. But what was the reason for you indeed, you know, for you to to create Ketish, what is behind that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think that, you know, feminine health, sexuality, my body has always been something I've been very curious about. There's my curious side, my rebellious side, even I felt like because my family didn't really talk about it growing up, it was always this forbidden fruit. Like I'd always been very curious about it. And um, I, I did learn about sexual health in school. It wasn't the, the best curriculum, but I did learn about it. But I was always very curious and just wanted to know for myself. And I think, you know, going through the experience of having cervical cancer at such a young age where you're 21 and you think you're invincible and then you're you're hit with a diagnosis like that it really shifted that curiosity into like a need i needed to know and it it forced me to become more aware of 
my body overall, but especially my feminine health. Um, it's something that I feel like growing up, it was just like a byproduct or, you know, a piece of me, but I didn't always think that it was at the core, like a core part of my health and well-being. And I think going through that experience not only made me more aware of the things that I did know, but also the things that I didn't know. Uh, it also made me really aware of the of the products that I was using because my body was already going through so much with treatment. Um, and, and just to clarify, I, I was very fortunate in which my cancer was detected very early on to where I didn't have to go through chemotherapy, but I had to go through cryosurgery. And so it was quite quite an invasive and an intense experience in which I really felt like my body was going through a lot and I wanted to be really careful with the products that I was using. So I remember it was shortly after one of my treatments, I had gone into a drugstore in the States and I was looking for um, a feminine wash. And I remember looking at the, at the shelves and seeing that there were only a couple of options, the options that were available at the time and even to this day were not very credible um and there was a lot of yeah just stigma around them or it uh, um uncertainty in terms of like the ingredients and 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 how it was made i just remember turning over the bottle and looking at the ingredients and thinking like oh my god <laughs> i don't understand what half of these are um and even the process of buying products like that was embarrassing and shameful. And I'd be wearing my sunglasses. I was also like very insecure at that age. So now I like go to the store and I hold my, my tampons and my feminine wash. Like, I don't care, but I was 21. Um, and I just, I just felt like I wanted a different experience. I wanted a different buying experience. I wanted products that I could trust products that I knew were credible and safe and wouldn't cause more harm to my body than, you know, my body was already going through. I also realized, and this was at the time, so I was diagnosed in 2009. And this was at the time where, you know, social media was just kind of bubbling to the surface, uh, YouTube, Instagram, there weren't a ton of um, resources or communities of women that I felt like I could go to and learn from. Thank God for, for Planned Parenthood that you know, saved me and I had access to healthcare through Planned Parenthood, which is like, we could talk about Planned Parenthood, like a whole other podcast episode, but I just felt like the, there was such a lack of community and it was all of these missing pieces that really drove me um, 10 years later <laughs> to create Kedish and create the brands that I wish that I had when I was going through my experience. Um, I also think coming to the Middle East and seeing, you know, that although like we were lacking in the States where these topics were a bit more normalized and um, easier to talk to, talk about out in the open, we're here in the Middle East. It's like completely unspoken. I think that just accelerated the thoughts and, and really drove me to want to create change. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of taboos in the region you know, due to the culture um, and, and, and here in the UAE, we have such a mix of nationalities and therefore of cultures as well. So sometimes it can be a bit like uh, tricky to navigate uh, among all of them and to find also the, the, the right way 
of saying things or conveying as well um, a message. Um, it, it's funny, you know, what you were saying that, you know, now you can go to a supermarket and, and buy your tampons um, because um, I think it, maybe it was one of the, in your videos, you know, you were, you were kind of, you know, talking about this as well and, uh, and, and talking about periods. Um, we shouldn't be ashamed of having our periods. We should be proud. We should be happy. You know, having them because this means that you know, our body is functioning you know, properly. Um, and uh, and I remember like last summer, so I had my period like every month, and I'm super lucky uh, to have my period on a regular basis um, still. And uh, and I asked my sister, uh, we were going out with with my with my sister, and I asked, okay, can you please bring a tampon you know, with me because I feel that I'm going to have my period and we were going to a boat to celebrate my other sister's birthday. And she came and my nephew was here and she was like, you know, hiding the tampon. And she was like, yeah, look, that's, that's for you. Uh, and then I just took it and I said, okay, yes, thank you. And I told her, you don't need to hide it, you know, because this is normal. We should normalize it. So you see, like, even in France, <laughs> in a good French you know, family, this is something that we're still kind of hiding. Right, right. It's like this, this level of shame that is associated with something that is so natural and so beautiful. And I think I've, I've said this before, changing that narrative and changing that belief that these natural things that happen to our body, whether it's period or, or, or body odor or bodily changes, we as women need to create the change like we need to change the narrative in our own mind because we almost sometimes we're so embarrassed to share it with our male counterparts and unfortunately we we sometimes create that feeling of discomfort because we don't feel comfortable with it ourselves and so that's definitely something that we talk a lot about is just self-acceptance acceptance of you know these beautiful things that are that our body goes through and and how can we learn to embrace them? How can we learn to be more aware and to create that awareness for the people around us, whether it's our husbands or our partners or our, our fathers? Uh, it's it's important, but it starts it starts with us as women becoming more comfortable with it and becoming more aware and educated. Like if you don't understand and you don't know yourself, how can you expect you know those around you to also know? So that those are definitely things that we're looking to change. Yeah, and I was talking to my mom the other day, uh, and uh, and she was telling me, yeah, but you know, those are the things that we were not educated on. So this means that it's coming from like my mother's and probably your mother's generation as well, where those things you know were really taboo. Just having like the period, to be honest, or, or to understand, you know, how does it work? How um, a woman body. Uh, works as well, and 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 even for her, to me, I n no one never told me, no one never told me, you know, how it was working. So obviously, you know, how how would you expect someone, or how would how would I expect my mother, like, to explain me how it works, or not to be ashamed of um, having a period of you know other things about femininity and sexuality, where for her. It was not something that she was talking to to her mom or with her mom. 
So, uh, yeah, and I think this is um, the role of our generation, like today, to educate ourselves, educate, you know, men, educate our partners, educate our daughters, um, to make it more, how do you say, like, to normalize it, I would say. Right. Right, right, definitely. And I think, yeah, it's it starts with us receiving the education itself. And and thank God that we, you know, we are a part of this really weird generation that, you know, I mean, I'm, I definitely consider myself a millennial to where we're the last generation that like knew the time before the internet. And now we, we've like ushered in this whole new generation where information is available like that. And it's at your fingertips and we don't, we no longer have an excuse to not be aware and to not be informed. And I understand. And I, I, I definitely, I think when I was younger, I used to be upset that I couldn't really speak to my mom or I felt very misunderstood. And the older I get, the more I realize that exact same idea, like, well, how, how could she have created this environment when she didn't have it herself? And, um, you know, she didn't have any, I mean, anatomy was the education she received. She grew up in Egypt and like the, she grew up in the, or she was born in the fifties, you know? So how could I expect that of her? And it's, I think you're so right that we are now the generation that is responsible for educating not only the generations after us, but also, you know, our parents, our grandparents, and and the information is there. I think what's important is that that how we educate our children is is with credible education, with helping them feel comfort around the topics, with having them understand that everyone is different and that we need to accept people for their differences and. Yeah, I think that that's something that was definitely missing when we were younger. And I'm I'm so happy to see that there are so many emerging brands like Kedish or, um, you know, accounts on Instagram or accounts on TikTok that are talking about it and talking about it in ways that are very um, matter of fact and like easy to understand and easy to relate to. And I think that's what's going to make it easier for the generations after us. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I feel indeed, you know, there's a real new movement you know, coming. And even with, you know, my friends or um, my family as well, you know, we talk more about these kind of things. Um, to to go back a bit to uh, to Ketisha, uh, because this is such a gorgeous brand and uh, and product uh, as well. How how triggered you? to to tell yourself this is it today i'm starting my brand and i'm going to start working on it yeah um i so at the time this was i i i've always had a passion uh for beauty always i remember i used to go and like sneak into my mom's vanity and steal her chiseido cream and and <laughs> use her makeup and she'd be pissed but I, I loved it i always just had a passion for beauty skincare wellness um and i started my beauty career actually i think i was 25 
at the time. I worked for Sephora in the States and it was my first role with like a a big beauty giant. And I felt like, okay, I made it, this is it. Um, But I was, I was in operations and in supply chain. I wasn't doing something that I was passionate about, but I was in the space and in the realm of beauty. Uh, Fast forward a couple years later, I ended up meeting Huda from, or Huda, Huda Katan from Huda Beauty. And I asked her for a job. (laughs) I very bravely asked her for a job and she took me on as a product developer. So for three years, I worked for Huda and very closely with her creating products side by side. And um, it was really fascinating to see her you know, come with a point of inspiration. Like I remember one time she brought this purse. She's like, guys, I bought this purse this weekend. This color, this is it. We need to create a whole eyeshadow palette from this purse. And we're like, all right, let's do it. And so just seeing this little point of inspiration, how it can become a whole story and whole product. And I think that was a part of it, that seeing her, a woman like me, Arab American, creating a brand, creating a community where she would educate about beauty, I got to see firsthand someone who did it and did it in a big way. And I think that was the first, that was the first point of inspiration. And I think it was back in 2017, she, um, Huda had announced that she was starting a, uh, a fund, an investment fund called HB angels in which she wanted to, uh, invest back into female founders and impact, impact based brands and provide them with opportunities, you know, to, let their dreams come true and and create brands of of impact. And I think that's what really got my gears going um, and allowed me to really put pen to paper and really start mapping out a business plan. I remember I was on a business trip at the time in Milan and I woke up at like 5 a.m. Maybe it was the jet lag or maybe my brain was just waking me up and it was a note on my phone that I just started writing things down. Um, okay. I want it to have gold details. I want it to be super sexy, not like the stereotypical feminine, uh, like pink and, and purple and white. I wanted it to be bold, something that you could put on your vanity and really, um, feel like, Oh wow, what is this? Uh, and, and want to use it. Um, I wanted the brand to be a little cheeky and to have personality, but I wanted the products to be effective and I wanted them to be safe. Uh, I wanted to create things that women could actually use. And so I, I, re- I remember like the first product that came to my mind was the quickie and it looking like a condom, which it does. Um, but I just, yeah, I just started mapping it out and I really feel like my thoughts came to me and it just kind of flowed and it took me some time. It took me a couple months of really mapping it out before I actually went and pitched the brand to Huda to ask if she wanted to invest or to be a partner in this. And, and, but I, I really feel like it just kind of, it flooded into my brain and I couldn't stop. I couldn't turn it off. And that's when I knew like, okay, I need to, I need to make this happen. So, um, First, uh, so what you were saying, why did you decide to come first with the quickies? Yeah, so I I get that question a lot. Um, You know, creating a brand like this where it can be seen as taboo or a difficult topic, um, 
and a category that here, especially in the Middle East, does not really exist. Prestige feminine wellness, it doesn't exist. It only exists in the pharmacy. I wanted to start off with a product that was easy for women to understand the use and the functionality, something that is an easier topic to tackle. So with all of our products, we try to use each of them as a vessel or an opportunity to educate or to demystify or destigmatize a part of the feminine health and feminine wellness conversation. Um, hygiene seemed like the first big topic that we wanted to tackle. It was something that we could talk about and maybe not necessarily rub people the wrong way. We had a thought to start with something that was intimacy or pleasure based. And I said, no, I think, I think we really need to inch our way into that. And I'd like to create a, a foundation of trust with our clients and with our community. And so that's why we started with the quickie and we really used it as a tool to open up the topic about like what we are talking about, the sense of shame that still exists around hygiene products, whether it's our tampon, we hide it in our sleeves or body odor. We're so embarrassed about, you know, the way we might smell when we're on our period or after a long day. Uh, why? Why are we so embarrassed of these very natural things that happen um, to our to our bodies? And so the quickie was an opportunity to really start that conversation and to have a tangible product in order to help us do so. Before before going and pitching uh, to Huda, uh, did you speak about your ideas? Did you pitch the idea to some of your friends and what was their feedback uh, about it? Because I believe that, you know, when you, you know, maybe, maybe when you started, I don't know, it's an assumption. So, but when you shared your ideas, it was like, why are you doing this? Like, how is it going to be received? You know, why are you doing this here in the Middle East? It's something super taboo. And I mean, did, did you get this kind of comment from your friends or maybe your family? Yeah, I'm a big believer in keeping things quite hush-hush until, you know, you're ready to go full force with it and do it. And so I did select a handful. And when I say handful, it was really that, like a small handful <laughs> of people that I trusted and that I felt understood beauty, um, but also understood uh Yeah, understood beauty. So a couple of them were my coworkers at the time, um, my partner at the time. And I can't even remember if I told my sister. I think I did. Yeah, I think I told my sister. Um, and I, I remember sitting down with one of them in particular and said, I have an idea. <laughs> and when I talked about the brand, I think what was the, the most... Um, I don't know, affirming part of the conversations was every time I, I told, you know, those select few people, each of them had a story that they then exchanged with me about, you know, the struggles and the challenges that they had had with their feminine health or finding feminine health products. Like one, um, one of my girlfriends said, you know, I, I really struggle finding an intimate wash. I didn't realize that I was highly allergic to, um, 
you know, regular body washes on the market. And I constantly have to look and, and, and try to find feminine washes because I always get infections. And so it was really affirming that with every single person that I did tell, there was a point of need, a point of understanding and excitement for, for this. And I also think them hearing my personal story and my journey was like, okay, this is something that people can connect to. And so, yeah, I did get a lot of support. Maybe that's why I felt so courageous to go ahead and do it. Um, I'll be honest, when I first pitched to Huda, she wasn't crazy about it. And something that she had said to me was, I don't use these feminine care products. I'm not you know, I, I, I don't use them. I don't need them. I don't have a need for them. But as we started talking more about it and having more conversations, I remember her excitement. Um, she got more and more excited. She started to become more aware of what the market was looking like and, you know, what gaps there were, what products she, she was interested in using. And so um, over time, she became, obviously, she became more interested and decided to invest. But it's, I think it, be, it took that awareness um, yeah. for her to be, to be excited about about the brand idea and concept was the when you when you first pitched to uh, Huda was it when you know there was this um, Facebook watch or TV you remember you remember like a few years yeah ago? was it at the yeah. time like the first time that you or or you pitched before and it was just like staged yeah it was, we pitched we pitched before it definitely was staged i was more nervous for that than i was for the original for the original pitch i feel maybe because there were so many cameras um but it took time um i remember when i pitched to her it was it was multiple conversations i um I had a one-on-one -on -one with her and then we brought mona into the conversation but it took time Um, but, but what I will say is that went on Huda Boss, I didn't get the final go until that very last pitch with the full group of the whole team. Um, that, that was real. <laughs> that was definitely real. Um, and a very scary process. Very, very scary. Whenever you're sharing something, I feel that is not just an idea, but something that is so close to, you know, your soul, your heart. This is something that I feel like it really came from a personal need. And I felt so passionate. I still feel so passionate about it. Um, it's personal and it's scary because you feel like it's a piece of you that you're just put, putting out on the table. Like it's not just some business that I, oh, I have an idea. No, this is something that I actually went through and I feel so passionate about and so passionate about bringing it to other women. And so it was really terrifying, very terrifying. It's still terrifying <laughs> to this day. Um, if, um, I mean, what, what, what have been or what are, I mean, when you first launched, what were the challenges that you faced? Uh, and are those challenges, you know, are they evolving? Are they, can you tell us a bit more like, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a, Uh, brand creator? Yeah, I think, um, gosh, it's been challenging every step of the way. I think, you know, getting yourself to a place where you have the courage and you can let go of the imposter syndrome to just get started, that was a challenge. And then, you know, starting to work on all of the pieces, that kind of flowed in easily because I, I'm 
you know, I'm a product developer by trade. Like the product side was quite easy. It was all the others, all the other technical business stuff that was challenging. We actually, we were supposed to launch in 2020. Um, and then right before we were going to launch production on the quickie, the world shut down <laughs> with COVID and it was devastating. It was terrifying. It was devastating. I remember feeling like, wow, my brand is going to fail before I even have a chance to launch it. And I think that that was actually very much a blessing in disguise. Um, COVID allowed us to really slow down. I think we were like excited and moving fast and working on the product and working on the brand aesthetic that there was a piece that we knew we were going to have to dive a little deeper into. And that was definitely around the education, the communication, the way we talked about these topics and um, especially launching a brand like this in the Middle East. It's something that we have to be really careful about. Um, so we took that time when the world was, you know, at home <laughs> to have hundreds of Zoom calls with women from around the world to really understand you know, what, what, it, what is it about feminine health and wellness? What have you learned? What was your experience like? Do you use products like this? Do you want to learn about these topics? And if so, how? How do you want to be spoken to about these things that are quite sensitive? And it was such a beautiful experience to be able to learn from so many women from different cultures, different backgrounds and their comfort levels and the way they felt about these topics. I remember one girl in particular, um, I believe she was in Jordan. She, she told us flat out, I've never had the, I've never been able to talk about these things with anyone, my sister, my mom, like no one. So this is really exciting that, you know, you're building something that can help women peel back those layers and talk about it in a way that feels safe and feels natural for them. And so I, I'm very grateful for that time, although it was very scary. I think that's, that was what helped us build such a strong identity and helped us understand you know, how we were going to shape the conversation, everything that we did as a brand going forward. So I would say like the, my biggest piece of advice to founders is it's really hard to have patience, but have patience, take your time do the work, <laughs> really understand before you go full force, because those are the things that are going to make or break you. Would you do the same thing again if you had to start it over? Yeah, th gosh, there's so many things that I would do differently. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I would have done differently is I would have started the community back then back during COVID when everyone was at home, I would have started the education piece. I would have started the conversation um, because that would have like never expired and we could have just built our community before we launched product. But it's a learning. And um, I think that is honestly the only thing that I would have changed. Um, I still would have taken the time to really get to know the women that would be a part of our community. I still would have launched with the quickie. I still, there, I mean, there are other things like our launch, our launch cadence and, and how timing wise, like I would have changed that, but I, I, we've learned so much from the steps that we've taken that I, I'm, I'm grateful for those learnings. In, in this journey with Kittish, what is, 
the one moment that you're the proudest of? Oh gosh, there's so many, there's so many moments. You can choose two if you want. Okay. <laughs> I think one of the first, and I think I've said this before, um, I think one of the first moments where I was like, wow, we're, we're, this is, we're doing something and people are noticing. Um, we were awarded uh, most promising brand of the year by Entrepreneur Magazine in the Middle East. And this was in December of 2021. So we had just launched four months before. Uh, I remember getting the call from the PR team at the time. And I was <laughs> I just started bawling my eyes out. Like I had to reread the, the email over and over again. And I think what was most exciting about, you know, everyone wants brand of the year, founder of the year, whatever. But I think the words most promising brand of the year was it's this realization that, wow, people see our potential. They see what we're doing. And especially in this region, it held so much weight because it was this level of, acceptance in in the mainstream or in like it's like a trade magazine which you know from a beauty magazine I could maybe understand but it was a trade and business magazine and so I think that that was really special and it was a really important moment not only for me as a founder but also the team like them seeing that you know okay we're, we're doing something the work is worth it the sacrifices are worth it I would also say um there's so many little moments that make me so proud. Like when a woman stops me and says, or DMs me and shares, uh, you know, I, I went to the gynecologist for the first time. Uh, thank you for sharing this post because I've always been scared, but I saw this and it encouraged me to go. Like those are, those are moments that I really um, hold near and dear to my heart. And they make me really proud because it's like those little changes are, that's what matters. And I, it helps me see like, okay, keep going, keep going. You like you're creating change or you're helping a woman somewhere around this world. Like just keep going. You can't stop. So I would say that the, those, that was, that last one wasn't very defined, but it's definitely something that continues to make me very proud. Yeah. I think when you have an impact on people and when you're able to help them in a way or another, this is what you know, I would think you know, if I had my own brand. But even as a makeup artist, you know, when I have some people telling me, oh, thank you so much you know, for teaching me you know, how to do my own makeup. Oh, thank you for making me feel you know, gorgeous. You know, these kind of things you know, where people are giving you the feedback and you had an added value. You brought something positive you know, to their life. And I think this is amazing you know, what, what you're doing because you're showing women how to be confident about themselves, how not to be ashamed, you know, about this part of our body, our, our private part, our, I don't know, I'm not sure how, how what we can say, like, you know, even me, you see, I'm shy, you know, I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to say the word vagina, to say the words reproductive or sexual organs, like, it's not something that we feel comfortable saying out loud all the time, but, uh, and that's fine. I think that everyone, it's okay to have a level of 
discomfort. I think it's okay to, to feel a little shy. That's not your fault. Unfortunately, it's the society that we've been in that has created this. Um, but what's important is that you acknowledge that these are important parts of you and that you want to care for them. And, 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 and every day you inch towards comfort. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, what about like the quickies and the portion? Um, I'm, you know, we have a friend in common like Lorraine. Uh, she's the one who kind of showed me the way in looking into ingredients, how ingredients know where so important. Um, and, and I discovered this as well, you know, while working you know, with some, um, skincare brands and, uh, and discovering that some ingredients were nasty and others like were good you know, for us or not just, just not harmful. How can you tell us a bit more about the ingredients, you know, that you wanted to, uh, to have though that you didn't want? And, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm very, I'm very grateful for my time with Huda Beauty, just having that experience and becoming more knowledgeable about the entire process of product development. Um, I think that there's a lot that there's so much that goes into it behind the scenes that people are unaware of. Um, for me, it was really important to work with really amazing manufacturers, teams that I could trust, teams that were going to create the products that we really wanted and they were going to uphold the best standards in terms of safety um, and quality. And so for me, I, I there were definitely some non-negotiables. Like we have a very, every brand, every cosmetic brand has a blacklist that they share with their manufacturers, their suppliers. Um, And it was very, uh, it's gone through multiple revisions and, and revisions in a sense that we're constantly learning things that ingredients that are very sensitive with regards to feminine health, feminine wellness, hormone health. And those are really, that's really important for us. We wanted to ensure that every product that we created took into consideration, not just, um, you know, a woman's skin, but also her overall well-being with regards to toxins and we call them endocrine disruptors. So ingredients that could potentially throw off your hormone um, and endocrine system. And so that's a non-negotiable for us. Every product that we create is very vetted. We follow the blacklist and those factors are, are important. Also those factors of sustainability, like we use glass, we use biodegradable wipes, but um, we just wanted to ensure that the ingredients that went into it were going to yeah, uphold the safety and effectiveness of the products and ensure that women felt safe using it. When it came to the quickie, um, you know, I've used a ton of different wipes and feminine washes and I wanted to ensure that the quickie was Um, something that was convenient. So we made it individually wrapped. Uh, but when it came to the ingredients, ensuring that women, you know, did not have this irritating, um, burning feeling that sometimes you feel with wipes that are in the, the mass or pharmacy space. Um, so you'll see with, with our ingredient list, we have ingredients like uh, aloe vera, which is really great. It has a nice refreshing, cooling feeling. Um, coconut oil ester, which 
uh, is a smaller molecule of coconut oil. So it doesn't leave this like sticky residue, but it still leaves you feeling nice and moisturized and hydrated. Um, we also have oak kernel extract, which is great for inflammation. And, you know, if you do have irritation on the skin, whether it's because of chafing or, um, I don't know, razor burns or waxing um, bumps, then uh, the oat kernel extract is going to help with that inflammation. And then I think what was most important and what makes our products a little different is most, most wipes on the market, um, they use chemical deodorizers, where with us, we use a postbiotic enzyme. It has like a crazy term, like saccharomyces ferment filtrates. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Google it. Uh, but it's a it's a postbiotic enzyme that helps to break down. So when we sweat, we create uh, a bacteria and that bacteria is what creates odor. And so that ingredient really helps to break down um, the, the, the bacteria that's causing odor and it helps to deodorize and refresh naturally. Um, with the potion, so the potion is a more overall feminine wellness type product. It's very focused on period care. So it's a natural uh, remedy to help soothe period discomfort. And with me, with that specific product, I've been using essential oils for years, especially when it came to my hormone health. I have PCOS, which my periods uh, don't really show up. <laughs> and then when they do show up, they come with a vengeance. And so instead of popping painkillers all the time, which are super bad for your hormones and create inflammation and gut issues, I wanted to find a more natural remedy. And so I started doing research on uh, essential oils that could help naturally calm and soothe my, my cramps. And uh, there were just a ton, a ton that that really worked to do that, whether it's clary sage oil, um, which is really great for uh, feelings of inflammation, discomfort, pain sensitivity. There's peppermint, um, which is very relaxing. Eucalyptus is also super relaxing and, and, and lavender, which helps not only from an aromatherapeutic standpoint, but also works to naturally soothe and desensitize pain. Uh, bergamot, which is great for the mood, it energizes. And then we also added Arnica, which is um, known to help with muscle muscle pain and discomfort, uh, which your uterus is just, it's a large muscle that's going to work <laughs> during your period to kind of tear down those walls of the uterus. And so um, we included Arnica to kind of help with that, with that muscle and joint pain. What I love about the potion is that it's great for period care. Uh, if you have period cramps or breast tenderness, but it also can be used as like an overall wellness type product. So if I'm having trouble sleeping, I'll put a couple dots on my pressure points um, or I'll, I'll put it in a spray bottle with some water and spray my pillow before bed. It's great for headaches after the gym. So it's just, there's so many uses, but I think what a lot of women aren't aware of is essential oils are super powerful when it comes to feminine uh, and reproductive health. And so we just created this little concoction filled with all of those magical oils. So you can see there's a lot of thought that goes into each product. And um, we ensure that we really take that level of detail when it comes to ingredients, safety, and effectiveness, because we want it to work too. Yeah. Um I've tried, you know, your uh, your your product. Um, 
What I liked about the quickies is there's no um, strong fragrance note to it. Because I was afraid when I opened, I was like, oh, please, no. I don't want to um, to smell any oud or to smell, you know, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, to be honest, no? Right. So, and I opened, I was like, oh, nice. Oh, that's good. <laughs> And indeed, it's 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 refreshing, it's soothing uh, as well. Uh, as you were saying, you know, we have some time of the month, like you know, the period specifically, or even you know, when you ovulate, um, where we can have more body smells. Naturally, I think this is part of human nature uh, of uh, of having this, and and it gives you like the confidence, you know, at any time during during the day, you know. If you go uh, or you just finish, you know, uh, the gym, you need to go quickly, you know, somewhere, bam, you know, you take your cookies and you're done. Or you're just coming, you know, from work, home, but then you need to go back to dinner, bam, bam, cookies, and you're done. So there are so many uh, situations where you can um, use them. And, and the potion, what I like about it is the feeling that you have in your hands. You now, obviously, you know, this is an oil. But it's super, it's super soft. It's not, it's not a thick one. You can really just, uh, how do you say, massage, you know, your, your lower tummy, but also your back when you have like cramps, because cramps can come as well from like front and back. Um, and the smell is, it, it's a soft smell. You know, you feel like being in a cocoon when you yeah. smell it. <laughs> yeah. It's quite comforting. <laughs> exactly. Um, I quite admire, you know, the fact that you develop already like two products, uh, and and I was so happy to hear that they are hormone friendly. Uh, I'm, I'm passionate about hormones, um, how they work, what impact them, and indeed, you know, whenever I decide to choose a product for my vagina or, or that part of the body. <laughs> it, it, it educating me like just to be... Uh, to say it. <laughs> um, but that's, I think it's difficult you know, to find in the market like something, even during my period you now, I like just to wash, you know, because and just to ensure it's well cleaned and not to use any usual um, uh, shower gel. I would say, um, but it's so difficult to find the right product that I know they're not going to have like uh, sulfate, no, I mean sulfate uh, lorette, no, in it, or they're going to have any, or they're not going to, yeah, um, any uh, paraben or or, or or nasty alcohol. That I think that you know when you even you think that oh yeah, it's. Uh, uh 90% natural ingredients and then you look back you know and say like no this is not natural this is I'm not you know going to put that you know on my body or just you know in their intimate part it's yeah it's quite difficult in the market to be confident about the product that you know you find and I'm so happy that you created you know this kind of product because we need that definitely and we need education around that as well right right yeah, it just takes an awareness. And I think for me, like I said, I had such a challenging experience myself that I wanted to provide products for women that, yeah, that they knew that 
we're safe, that they could trust. We test all of our products um, um, through dermatologists and gynecologists, gynecological testing. We also do panel testing. Um, so all of our claims are are vetted either clinically through instrumental tests or, or we or we vet them through a panel of women that are much like our community that can try our products. And some 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 products like like the potion are, are challenging because it's it's natural and every woman is different. So it'll it'll affect it'll affect women women differently. Um, but we make sure that we test and we vet them and, and we don't claim anything that doesn't come from those tests and, and those clinical trials. Um, but yeah, it was, it's very important for, for me to create a brand that is authentic, that's transparent, and that women feel really safe and comfortable using our products because it's such a, such a sensitive area. Um, but also like our overall hormone health, it's, it's everything. It's everything that we put into our body. So it was really important that every product that we create takes that into consideration. You, you touched base about uh, having PCOS uh, in, in one of your videos on, on YouTube. I think you were saying, and by the way, now I'm, I'm inviting our listeners and the audience uh, to go on YouTube, to go on Instagram, uh, because you can find so many information about Ketish, about Iman, uh, her journey as well. Um, but yeah, indeed, you know, I saw that you had your first period when you were, when you were 15. No? Correct, mm -hmm. and then only you got this your second period in after eight months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, wasn't it at the time where you got a bit like alarmed in a way, or your or your mother? I mean, or maybe I, I don't know what with your relationship you now with your mom and and the conversation that you had you now with her at the time, but. Was it something that you were worried about or were you expecting them, like after the first time, expecting them the next month and then it didn't come and then it didn't come? I mean, what, what were your thoughts at the time? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know if it alarmed me and maybe that was my ignorance. I, I didn't know that that shouldn't happen um, and that that was probably an indication that I did have a hormone imbalance at that time. Um, I didn't really ask questions <laughs> when it happens. And I think that was like an indication of the level of discomfort that I felt, you know, having the conversation. My mom, I feel like if I would have went to her, she probably would have been open. Um, but I think I just rationalized it in my mind. Like, oh, you're, you're a late bloomer or, oh, it's maybe it's thinking about coming. It'll just come later. <laughs> it's just showed up once and it'll come back a little later. Um, I didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, and we didn't learn about hormone health. And in, in, when we did learn about menstruation, it wasn't in depth and we didn't learn about the issues and, you know, how delayed menstruation or a lack of menstruation, what that indicates. So I blame, I blame the education system for not educating us. Um, but yeah, I just remember feeling like, okay, well, I'm different. And then very, um, I mean, later I ended up getting on birth control to give me a consistent period. Um, and also because I was sexually active, but, uh, then I started getting a regular period, but I didn't realize that that, that, that wasn't a real period. 
that it was induced by my by my birth control. And even that, I even had irregular periods when I was on birth control. That's how bad my my ovulation was. So yeah, I, I was so unaware. I was so unaware. I wish I knew. I wish someone educated me. And I wish someone educated me on the effects of birth control on PCOS and how it just masks and hides it. Um, because I think it just made, it made my situation far worse. And I was on birth control for like 16 years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I was on birth control and an FOD for that, that long as well. Or, yeah. Um, what we go back to, to this, but what were you still, I mean, having PCOS, um, is it, so that stands for uh, polycystic ovarian syndromes. Right. Uh, can you explain what does it consist of? And do you have any symptoms? Do you feel it apart of not having your period? Um, yeah. Yeah. So basically polycystic ovarian syndrome, what I understand of it and what I've done, what I've learned through my own experience um, and my own research is that it is an overproduction of hormones that usually either an over or underproduction of hormones that usually leads to follicles, an increase of follicles or cysts on the ovaries. And because your, um, your hormones, it's usually an, uh, an excess of male hormones. Because of this excess of male hormones, it usually uh, manifests in some sort of physical, um, physical side effects. A lot of every woman is different. Some of the most common um, are, and for me, what was really prevalent was weight gain. So weight gain, weight fluctuations, um, uh, multiple cysts on on your ovaries, either one ovary or both. Uh, a lot of women can develop acne. I didn't develop acne in my teen years. I did, but as an adult, I I don't. Um, overgrowth of hair in in you know odd areas like maybe the chest or the neck or the the chin uh what else psoriasis you could develop a flaking of the skin which usually helps on, or usually happens on the scalp hair loss um gosh insomnia high stress levels and anxiety levels gut issues like there's just a number of different things anxiety depression and usually the anxiety and depression is because of your hormone imbalance, but also just dealing with the side effects that often come about. For me, um, because I've been on birth control for so many years, a lot of my symptoms and a lot of my side effects were masked and um, just things that I wasn't really always aware of. And I remember for the first time I got off, I got off birth control twice in my life. One was at 31, like I, I'd gotten married and I was like, mm, let me, let me get off birth control. I might want to try, start trying to have a baby. Um, and then again, which that didn't work out. I got back on because <laughs> I gained a ton of weight and then I got back on again. And then at the age of 33, I had two very large cysts that grew on my ovaries and they burst. And uh, the doctors thought that it was caused by my birth control. And so I decided to get off birth control again. And that's when I, and for a longer period of time, um, and that's when I really saw my symptoms just go haywire. I gained 30 pounds. Um, my skin, my face, you could really see it in my face. Um, my, my depression was crazy. I couldn't 
asleep. Um, I would be working out like crazy and I would just gain weight. Like it was, it was horrible. Um, and it's been a really challenging experience. And I think it's so common. So many women have it, whether they're diagnosed or not. And, um, it's, it's a really tough disorder to, to deal with. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine because I'm not in that situation. Um, but when you say that, you know, you, uh, you stopped taking the pill and you gain weight. Was it because you stopped? That's going to be very, maybe a very silly question. I don't know. But is it because, you know, when you don't have certain hormones or when you have too much of some hormones, it goes into your brain and it can affect as well your energy level. So you would eat maybe more or some hormones are just like having an impact as well on your I think on your digestive or anything with it, you would gain like triple four times whatever you know they should bring. You know what I mean? I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, usually women with PCOS, sorry, this is one um, one big one that I left out from the explanation. Usually with w women with PCOS develop um, uh, insulin resistance, which means that whenever Uh, you eat something that is um, high in sugar, whether it's carbohydrate, uh, like breads, pastas, uh, sugar in your coffee. Um, you're, you're a, you know, a, a person without PCOS, their insulin would kick in and would help to burn that sugar um, into, you know, energy. And then it would like leave the body or, um, If you have insulin resistance, it doesn't burn that sugar and it often causes you to gain weight um, and hold on, hold on to fat. Um, it's a really intricate metabolic disorder, although it's a hormone imbalance, hormonal disorder, it also really ties in to your uh, metabolic system because obviously hormones control everything. And I think that's something that we're not always aware of as women is that the same hormones that, you know, help you with ovulation or get your period, um, the same are very intertwined with the hormones that help with your stress levels are the same hormones that like your thyroids that help with, um, Yeah, your, your metabolism and help to control all the major functions in your body. And so when one or two or a number of hormones are thrown off balance, throws everything off balance. And so that's why PCOS is so intricate and so challenging because every woman is different and it's very hard to pinpoint exactly, you know, um, what like what is going to help what is going to remedy because there's it's, there's no pill that you could just take and it fixes everything it's very much a balance and so what i'm learning is that it's a mixture it's a mixture of different lifestyle changes there's no cure for pcos but there's definitely lifestyle changes that you can adjust um to help combat the effects of your pcos or to help you um Yeah, you can, you can always work to, I don't want to say get rid of it because it's always something that might flare up again, depending on, you know, your lifestyle, but it is something that you can work on lessening the effects of and to help reverse the signs and the effects of your PCOS. So I believe that now you're not under birth control pill anymore. 
So well, that's I'll... something complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I've tried to get off and it's been really challenging. Um, I haven't found the right way to completely, I was off of it for maybe two years and my symptoms were just not getting any better, even though I was changing different aspects of my lifestyle. I also think stress has had a lot to do with it. Starting your own company is very stressful. Um, and so something that I've been working on with my doctors is finding ways to slowly get off of it, but we're taking it one day at a time. So right now what I'm really focusing on is getting used to the diet changes, incorporating those diet changes in my life, consistently taking supplements, um, so that when I do finally let go of the birth control, I've already made those lifestyle adjustments that it won't be such an uphill battle once I remove yeah, the birth I, control from it. I feel this is so clever to do so um, because when I stopped birth control pill, um, that was two, two, three years ago now. I'm just losing like in terms of years. Uh, that was in 2020. So that's going to be nearly three years now. Um, I stopped from a day to another. Like I was like, I'm done. I don't want to have any synthetic hormones now in my body. Class. Out. <laughs> and and I'm, I mean, I don't have PCOS. I, you know, I, I I'm very lucky because my body, you know, always functions you know, super like on a regular, like very good. Um, but when I stopped, you know, I felt like, oh, I can feel my hormones and my body, you know, that was amazing. And then the second month, I was like, yeah, that's still good. And then the third month, you know, it just becoming like a disaster, like a roller coaster in, in my head. And you know what was happening? I had super strong you no know, PMS. I had mm-hmm. suicidal, you know, ideas. Um, I had fight with my husband. <laughs> and yeah. still, I mean, I, f- I found like a program to, to help me. But as you were saying is at the time, I didn't know anyone to help me go through this phase of preparing our body, preparing our hormones, preparing our brain, um, the way that we're functioning as well to ensure that when you stop, then it's going to go uh, to going to be like easier. It doesn't make it easy, but it's going to be easier. And uh, yeah, and I think that you're doing the the right thing, you know, in in preparing yourself, you know, for the time you're going to get ready when you feel your body will be ready, you know, for it, uh, and not to go back to the same roller coaster that uh, you were before. Right, right. It's definitely a, a work, a work in progress. And every time I think I know, you know, something's working, it's like it'll, it won't anymore. And so it's just constantly learning and making those adjustments. Um, it is. It's it's tough. And I really, um, I I encourage women who are struggling with their PCOS to definitely talk to people about it. I think for me, there's sometimes such a sense of shame when it comes to, you know, hormone imbalances. I remember, you know, at at the time that I'd gained 30 pounds, I'd lost, I probably had lost like 10 to 12 pounds consistently since then, but I'm still working on it. I just remember feeling so embarrassed and 
so sad and feeling like, wow, people probably think that I just let myself go and that I eat junk all the time and I can't fit in my clothes anymore. And it was so hard because here I was in the gym, you know, four to five times or four to five times a week, eating salads, eating great, but I wasn't seeing the effects on my body. And so I, I definitely encourage women to share, to share their experiences, to it, sometimes it helps just to make people aware with what you're dealing with. It, it kind of removes that layer of shame. Like, yes, I have a hormone imbalance, something that I'm working on, and people will support you and encourage you. And you'll also learn that, ugh, you know, you just have to accept yourself and your body in whatever state it's in. It's very hard to do that sometimes, but even that little bit of acceptance removes the pressure and actually helps your progress. So it's something that I still work on every day, but I encourage I encourage other women to do the same. Yeah, I think the more we're talking about this, the more women will be open about it and men will know about it um, as well. That's true that when you have a hormonal imbalance, no, it's not written in on your forehead (laughs) it's not it's not like wearing like you know uh, your clothes like oh yeah i have a hormone imbalance and like obviously and um yeah i i did an episode with um an eating disorder coach where we talk Mm -hmm. about how social media has an impact on the way that we see our body um and and the fact that you know who are we to judge someone uh from i mean about you know their appearance um because first we never know you know what they're going through uh what they're experiencing and if they're happy or not maybe they're happy maybe they're not happy maybe they have a mental imbalance and therefore this is why they are they are struggling uh mm-hmm. and maybe they don't know how to deal about it so i think yes it's uh that there are so many uh things you know that are impacting us and especially women Right. Oh, so much. We're so complex. <laughs> so complex. Men have it easy. No, I'm sure men have their issues as well. I mean, there's a lot that men go through, but our bodies are whew, like a, a puzzle. <laughs> um, you know, you're an entrepreneur, full time, amazing brand, you know, amazing things coming uh uh for you like in the next month and you know even with Sephora I'm sure that Sephora you know is keeping you busy <laughs> um, yes do, do you have any rituals like to wind down to um uh to release the stress that you're having on a, on a daily basis and that may help as well our listeners yeah I definitely um huh. I, the, the last three years have been very challenging for me, not only like professionally, but personally as well. And I'm definitely learning different coping mechanisms um, because it is, it's, it's such a journey. Um, being an entrepreneur is very taxing. And so I've been trying to really prioritize rest and understanding that, you know, rest is also productive. Um, you need to sleep <laughs> so that you can show up as your best self morning after morning. Um, also taking the time to take a time out. There was, um, you know, earlier this year, I definitely had a moment where I felt very drained, very burnt out. And 
I just needed a revival. And so I, I booked a trip. <laughs> I, went to, I went to Bali for almost three weeks. Um, and I was working while I was there, but uh, I also took a couple of days off and it was really nice to change the energy and to, yeah, just get reacquainted with myself, to be with my own thoughts in a different space away from the noise of my typical day to day. And I felt like it really, um, it really helped with my mental health. So I, I'm trying to do a better job of not just powering through, but actually giving myself the space to, yeah, to give my, my mind, my body, whatever it needs, whether it's rest, a good meal, a trip to Bali, <laughs> whatever, whatever it needs at the time. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes like to disconnect and just changing environment really help. Yeah. Um, and, and it helps from the habits that we have and it can only be, you know, uh, from changing if you're able to, but changing if you work from home, changing the room where you work in and be going like to another room just to change like the mindset, the environment, you know, what you see around. Um, so yeah, the rest, yes, that's definitely something, you know, I think I'm, I'm talking about like you know, sleeping more in, in my episodes with my guests and they're saying, yes, sleep is important. I say, yes, it is important. I'm, I'm not sleeping enough for sure. Oh no. <laughs> You got to. And you, what I've learned is like, you can't catch up on sleep. You can't only sleep five or six hours a night and then sleep 10 hours. No, you need to like every night, eight hours because it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's not a bank, you know, yeah. <laughs> like you can't like deposit and then withdraw. Like you need to just continue to every night have stability. In the evening, it's not like when you feel like, oh, I could still do this. I could still do that. No. Do you have like a, uh, do you have an evening or night ritual? Yeah, I usually try to um, power down. I try to by like 9 p.m. Um, whether I'm working or uh, I mean, sometimes I'll have social activities, which will keep me out later or I have work to do, which will keep me up later. But I try to close my laptop or make it a point to close my laptop no later than like eight I'll give myself time to have dinner, have a meal, watch a show. Uh, it's something that's quite mindless. And then, yeah, I, I really pride myself on my evening bedtime routine. I love my evening shower. It's like a whole thing that goes into it where I dry brush. And then even in the shower, it's like a whole, you know, body wash and face wash. And if I'm washing my hair that night or whatever, um, then a whole post, like the shower situation is intense. But I feel like it's, it's a ritual that every night I get to rinse the day and yeah, wash away any stress or any feelings of I don't know, anxiety or just give myself a refresh before I go lay down. And I'm usually like laying down by 10 p.m. Um, on most nights. Uh, I try to go to sleep by like 10, 30, 11 because I want to be able to wake up and, and get going. Um, and I also want to like maximize my sleeping hours. But yeah, it's a, there's a whole routine. But my evening shower is like the most important part of it. Yeah, it's so relaxing as I just, you know, 
I, I, I think that, you know, an evening sharing is it's helping you just to wash any tension you, you may have, any negative energy, you know, you have. Right. It's like, you know, from the top to down, like it's out. Right. right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's such a ritualistic process. I, I love it. I really yeah. honor it. Iman, um, since, you know, we are in a podcast talking about beauty, we talk a lot about, you know, beauty inside out, you know, with, uh, with Ketish and even uh, with your experience with PCOS. But, um, do you have any, uh, skincare routine that, you know, you, you're having every day or in the morning or in the evening? I don't know which one, you know, you want to, to choose. Yeah. Ooh. I would say, uh, when it comes to body care, I'm very serious about my body care routine. Um, so I, I usually shower, I shower twice a day because I go to the gym in the morning and then I, uh, and then of course my nighttime shower, but I take my body care very seriously. So it's a whole process of like showering. Then when you come out, I do a whole oil, body oil ritual. I, I tend to make my own body oils and it's usually a mix of like almond oil, grapeseed oil. What else? olive a little olive oil I just make like a whole concoction of of oils sometimes I just use extra or virgin um coconut oil and then I use and this product has been a staple in my beauty routine since I was like like a kid um is the Nivea essentially enriched body lotion the big blue bottle I don't care I don't care I will use that for the rest of my life (laughs) It's like drugstore, seven dollars, but I love it so much. I can't live without it. And then I would say my skincare routine is like a whole seven-step process from toning, serums, multiple serums. Um, I would say my my number one product for my face, both morning and evening, is rose oil. I usually end my skincare routine with rose oil and then and during the daytime SPF, but rose oil. And right now I'm really loving the Biosance rose oil. It's really nice, very, um, I feel like it's thick enough, but spreads really nicely. It smells so nice. And I definitely see the effects with like my skin texture. Um, I've learned to embrace my natural skin. I'm starting to wear like less makeup or no makeup. Um, and I feel like my skincare has everything to do, everything to do with that. Yeah. And I can see your skin is glowing. Like, oh, you know, thank like, you. And I was looking at you and I was like, oh, wow, such a nice glow. And, you know, oh. I'm like, oh, wow, well, yeah. And I can see that you're not wearing makeup. So, I mean, it's like super, super natural. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I have it. It's like oil is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you just said I came into natural highlighter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there any one beauty product that you always have with you? Hmm. There's two. <laughs> I'm going to cheat. <laughs> um, chapstick like I'm addicted to I need chapstick with me at all time right now right now I love the La Mer chapstick but I was like you need to get your act together why are you spending $60 on a lip balm but it's so nice um when I'm not when I'm not spendy uh, I use the aquaphor lip treatment which I really like um and it's yeah it's like drugstore and then I would say like my other go-to uh is concealer 
I love like concealer so easy. It's probably been the one beauty product. Like if I was stranded on an island, I would take that with me in my makeup bag. Um, and the one I'm using now is Tarte Shape Tape. That's it's a goodie. So good. Yeah. So good. I don't know what, why, why is it that creamy? Why is it that like it's pigmented, but it's not too pigments. Like it's so good. They know, they knew what they were doing with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you can use it in different ways as well. Like you did not to conceal, to highlight, but you know, when you when you need to conceal on your face, it just like even giving you a bit of, you know, nice coverage because it's yeah. a uh, concealer so yeah yeah I have freckles so and I'm learning to like embrace my freckles so it's really helped me like okay just dot a little you don't need to cover them all so it, it's nice it's a good formula where did you get uh, your inspiration from or who who or where from for Kaddish or just in general like who do I look for for inspiration yeah. gosh so many places um Hmm. I definitely, when it comes to, gosh, I'm inspired by everything. I, I definitely, a lot comes from social media. Like there's definitely different accounts that I follow that, that like, I love the aesthetic. Um, there's one in particular who I'm loving right now. Oh my gosh. Um, the poof is one that I really like. And what I like about her is that she's very edgy and fashion forward, but she's also very honest. And um, I love her imagery. Like I constantly find myself uh, saving her images. Who else? Gosh, there's so many, there's so many people, so many. Um, Shan Booty is also another woman that I really admire. She's um, she's a sexologist, I guess. And what I love about her is she's very unfiltered. She loves to talk about all topics. No topic is untouched. But she really shows herself as like such a dynamic woman. She's now like a mother of two and a wife and you know has this booming business in terms of like being a sexpert. Um, but she's very unfiltered and, and I, I love, I love the way she story tells and I love the way that she tells other people's stories. Um, she's such a, a great account to, to follow. So I'm, yeah, she inspires me a lot. Um, what's next for you, Imano, and for Kittish? Uh, so much. <laughs> um, I would say, so the biggest thing that we're ramping up for is fundraising. We're going to start our first official round of fundraising. And really the purpose of that is to be able to pour back into the business and help the business accelerate and grow in a number of different ways um, from product to team, um, but also to be able to give back to women in a real way. My hope and dream some days to have a very strong uh, CSR pillar of the brand where we're able to give back to women, whether it's through resources or education. And so those are definitely things that um, have been keeping me very busy. Um, and yeah, I would say that those are probably the big, the, the big next steps for us. That sounds so exciting. <laughs> Stressful, but exciting. <laughs> I know it's a lot of work when, when you go for fundraising, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, um, and um, yes, yes, uh, I believe, I'm a big believer in, in giving back. 
uh, education, but not a woman who might need, you know, the most. Because uh, whatever you give, you know, you get it back in a way or another. But it, I'm obviously, you know, it's not because of this, but it's really like, you know, to give back. Yes, it's it's amazing. So I can't wait to to see what's going to happen next. Uh, mm-hmm. Whatever you'll be able to to share with with us and uh, and on socials as well. Um, who who would you like to uh, to see as the next guest uh, in the podcast and and that you know? Huh. I guess there's two women from here in the region that I've really been watching and admiring lately so much. Um, and I'm not sure if you've had them before, but I would say the first is Amani Asabi. I think yeah, she's... On, oh, yeah, yeah. She's on my list. I mean, whenever she comes back from uh, from, Paris, <laughs> from the Fashion Week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said, okay, so we need to... Um, oh, we need to record an episode. I said, yeah, but you're never here. So. Yeah. <laughs> she is on the go. She is the woman on a mission. And I just love everything she stands for. I think she's so humble and personable. And she has such a great story. And man, like if I had that much confidence when I was 20, she's what, 24, 23? Yeah. 24? yeah. Whew, I would be unstoppable. So I, re- I really admire her. And I think she would be great. I think another person I really um, I really love and admire is Gizlan Gunas. I don't know if I say her last name correctly. Um, she's she's amazing. I love what she's building with the modest. I also love what she's doing with regards to um, financial literacy and educating women on Web three and you know NFTs. And I I've been learning so much from her, and so I think she would be perfect. Perfect. And she's gorgeous also. <laughs> like speaking speaking of beauty, oh, she's it's like too much. She's so beautiful. Um, so I think she would be she would be great. Yeah, there are two very inspiring women. Uh and Amini is definitely like, you know, whenever she's back from Paris, just tap her down. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold one side and you hold the other. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. Iman, it was such a pleasure. Oh, no, sorry. The last question before I get to the conclusion. Where can we find you? Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, so we're on Instagram. I guess that's our biggest presence. It's just Kettish on Instagram. You can also buy our products on getkettish.com. We're available on Sephora Middle East. So sephora.ae, both in stores and online. Uh, where else? In the States, we're on Anthropology, 13 Loon, and in Europe on Sephora, Sephora Europe, but different, the different pages, so Sephora France, Sephora Poland, so on and so forth. Amazing. Um, so if people want to contact you, yeah, they can. Uh, honestly, I, whenever people comment or DM the Kedish page, it's me responding. So feel free to slide into those DMs on Kedish or on my personal Instagram, which is they call me, they call me underscore Iman. Amazing. I put everything, you know, in the in the caption uh, and I will tag as well. So you'll know where to find you. Thank um, you. Amen. Thank you so much for for your time today. You know, since I've had the idea of launching the podcast, you were on my list. 
<laughs> and and I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer of manifestation uh, as well, and and I was so happy that this manifestation or came true, um, and to and to have you and to discover you as a person. You are such an incredible new woman, and I love what you're doing with Ketish and how you're here to help women to, um, yeah, to 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 make them feel confident about themselves and. Uh, and this is also what I'm trying to do, you know, with Beauty City. So thank you again so much for being with us today. Of course. And thank you for having me and for sharing, for allowing me to share my story. I think it's so important for women to hear and learn and inspire one another. So I appreciate you for, for having me and for building this space. Um, yeah, for that just uplifts other women. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much, Ina. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode today. If you enjoy it, please rate it with five stars, leave a comment, and share it with at least two of your friends. This will help the podcast to be more visible and high in the rank. I cannot wait to have you in my next episode to talk more about beauty. In the meantime, Take care of yourself and remember, be your own kind of beautiful.